we are a little bit more down to earth due to the results that we've had over the last three years. The, the opening game is the most important. It will be important for us on away turf get a draw. For me, that would be success. Welcome to another edition of Euroscout uh, with Game Insights. Previews to the European Championships and... We have with us Ivan Kipchia, going to give us insight on the Croatian national team, which, of course, as always, is, is a team not only not to be disregarded, but a team to probably be treated as potential favorites uh, with the quality in the squad. A lot of things happened. A lot of years passed since the last major tournament. Generational gap, as always, with Croatia. Tiny country, brimming with massive talent. Uh, great players in every position. Great substitutes in every position. Uh, we'd really like to hear your your uh, your insight uh, from an analytical perspective, Ivan. Thank you for joining us. Fantastic to have you. Thank you for having me. It's uh, a pleasure to be joining you this evening, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a, a nice football chat. <laughs> really nice. Uh, Jesse Edge is with me here as always, and uh, Ivan, in your own words, uh, you know it's always important to kind of set the ground. How would you describe Croatia's playing style? Uh, and 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 what the team tries to tries to I mean this is an obvious question for most listeners but uh, but at the same time how would you describe it? what's it trying to achieve in terms of you know you've been working at, uh, at Dinamo Zagreb you've been working at Hajduk Split uh, Lega Warsaw also but uh, but you've got uh, you've got a lot of insight on how the academies work and where the direction of the national team is so how would you describe it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that we have a quite a distinctive style that most of your viewers will be uh, recognizing with uh, what they've seen in the past and not much has changed. It's our culture, it's ingrained in our tradition to be playing a, an attractive type of football um, with a, a lot of fluidity in the game, with a lot of combination play. Uh, and I would say these are maybe, you know, our biggest strengths uh, where, and also what is natural to our players. So... Um, we have, I believe, been displaying this type of a game in, in recent years. And, and, I, and I foresee that we will uh, continue with the quality of the players that we have to play in this, in this type of dominant possession style with a lot of combination and fluidity. Uh, phenomenal. Um, and and uh, yeah, of course, that's the, that's the, it's a carefully developed historical style. Uh, uh, if it's not broken, don't fix it, right? So ever since Croatia's independence, uh, a very high quality of national team emerged, and and uh, yeah, there's a little bit of difference now. Some of the, they're a little bit faster, uh, yeah. more 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 uh, more modern players have come out of the Croatians. That that is that is correct. You recognize it well. Maybe in the past uh, you could not identify, you know. Um, physical monsters like Rebic or Perisic within <laughs> our squad, right? Which we which we currently have. Um, we did lose Manjukic, uh, another another uh, uh, physical specimen that we that yeah. we like to say, who uh, was was a, a beast in the in the air, beast in the box. So a uh, fantastic player that unfortunately retired for us from yeah. the national team. But um, these type of players with a little bit more agility, speed uh, are are able to give us a different type of game. Uh, I would say maybe the traditional type of players are more the the, the Kramaric, right? The crafty uh, striker, maybe Petkovic, the the target nine that is not really a target nine because he plays like a playmaker. Our um, fantastic midfielders, where you know I've been asked many times, 
how come you develop so many good midfielders in particular, you know? So um, I do believe, like you mentioned, uh, Croatia from getting independence, but not only, I, I believe that it's ingrained much, much in the region uh, where the neighboring countries in, in the Balkan um, also cherish this style of play. It comes from our tradition where, where we see and play football um, really as a game of skill in particular, you know, more, more than anything else. Um, in my experience internationally, I've, I've seen that, you know, uh, football is viewed maybe slightly differently, more somewhere like a battle, elsewhere like a tactical discipline, uh, other places like work. I have to say we consider it play. Uh, we consider it that, that uh, skill dominates and uh, most of our players' upbringing, most of our uh, uh, culture, I mean, what culture will emphasize, what the games, what the fans will be excited about is, you know, to see a nutmeg, to see a nice combination play, to see good ball control, uh, to see dominance. So I would say that, you know, this, this has been going on uh, for, for the last probably 50 years in all of our team sports, uh, yeah. likewise exists in, in football, maybe the most uh, recognized uh, that this prevalence type of play, uh, style of play, I've not, 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 not by me, but I've heard it many times that, you know, we were called the Brazilians of Europe because of the creativity that some of our players are able to, uh, to show. And uh, we're fortunate enough to have the, the high level of players that, that play internationally and in best European clubs and that are able to, to contribute to our national team. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, if, if, you're a, if you're a team worth anything in European club football, you want to have at least one Croatian midfielder in your squad, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you have to produce a lot of them. I mean, it's a tiny country uh, with an incredible ratio of quality players. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, the good thing about Croatians also, yeah, they come from a specific footballing culture, but they seem to be able to handle most others. You know, they seem to be able to handle direct, the direct football of the Premier League. They seem to be able to handle uh, different styles, more patient uh, approaches. Um, the rigorous tactical discipline of of of, uh, of the Bundesliga. So so it's uh, the world traveled. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. I, and I, and I believe part part of it is is our education that maybe is not as dogmatic and as some other footballing traditions that you might have mm. seen in the world, because we are aware. Uh, and you mentioned uh, my my history. I, I worked with Dinamo Zagreb's academy before. Um, it was clear to us that we're not only developing players for our first team we're also developing players that can cope internationally at the top level that then the club transfers and then you know uh, consequently uh, survives upon these these type of this type of funds and it is equivalent in all the other clubs in Hajduk Split most recently my experience as a sporting director was very similar where basically um, you, you see that there's very talented youngsters that you need to create pathways for because they are they are your future and they are the ones that that are feeding that are feeding the rest of the family so um, meaning the club when I when I say the family so this type of uh, culture really pushed us to take the best talent that is possible and try not to make too too strong of a cookie cutter approach but to to use best or develop best what you're given um, you mentioned our numbers. Uh, we are a small nation. Uh, when you can, when you think about the world, uh, around four million people, um, it's not a large pool of players that you're able to pull from. So you have to carefully treat every quality player that you have, 
and uh, and try to make the best out of out of his uh, footballing capacity and career. That's really uh, insightful about the background of Croatian football. And for our viewers, Ivan, would you be able to give us a little bit of an insight into the coach and maybe a little profile of the the national team coach of Croatia? Yeah. Um, Zlatko Dalic uh, took over several years ago uh, when it was uh, looking like we are not gonna we're not gonna qualify for the tournament and came in and, and with his fantastic approach really turned things around. Mm. Um, I'm fortunate enough to know him personally and uh, I really have uh, great admiration for for the man. Uh, he really does live and, and, and exhibit uh, many many great qualities as a human being and that transfers onto the players. Um, I believe that uh, now this, you know, fantastic success that we've had in Russia um, is, is hard to is hard to be, you know, repeated. However, uh, there was uh, several major players that we've lost in the last in the last two years that he managed very very successfully to have a change of generations, uh, introduce some younger players into the squad, and though our results have not been fantastic in, in the uh, nation in the League of Nations uh, and and in uh, some of our qualifiers, uh, I do believe that that he is doing a great job at, at navigating and managing this diverse group uh, of players now. That you know, there's generation gap between Luka Modric to to Josip Brekal yeah. and then even now to Joško Guardiol, who was called up a 2002 born. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Um, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, definitely not easy. Uh, but uh, with with his managerial style uh, strategy that he puts in place in order to to have us be successful, I think are of top level, and um, it's uh, no surprise that he's one of the most desired managers uh, uh, around the world. And I'm sure he's going to have a fruitful career even after he leaves Croatian national team, which I hope will not be soon. No, I mean it's it's uh, he's building he's building for the future. I mentioned. You mentioned Guardiola, one of the, the highest-rated of his of his generation in Europe. Yeah, uh, likely making a big move to to a top club. Yeah, uh, he's already moved. Actually, he's he's yeah. he's already moved. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's I, right. I remember, right. I, I remember the kid from under thirteen in in Dinamo's academy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, and and uh, when we talk about player development, he could be a great example. Uh, I watched him play in a game as as left back and. Uh, uh, that same game, he was switched to a left midfielder. Then two years later, another uh, coach played him as a number eight. And then slowly he drifted back to a defensive mid. And now as a center back and left back, he really exhibits qualities of a top level, uh, merely 19 years of age with you know fantastic ball handling skills, good physical capacities, but also such maturity in his game that you don't recognize he's so young that it, it's no shocker that the Red Bull Red Bull Leipzig actually booked him already and and yeah. um, bought him from Dinamo uh, this past winter, I believe. Yeah, and they're very exigent of the type of defender they take, and and he fits all the, the whole bill. Uh, will, yeah, he see, yeah. will, will he see playing time? Uh, you think yeah. is Dalic taking him for that for a specific tactical purpose? Um, you know, looking at the squad, you know he can cover left back and and left central defender. I do believe that mostly, you know, it's his versatility that is bringing him to the squad. But if I would choose, um, you know, to guess who would who would be playing, I, I would expect Borna Barišić, a much more experienced player, to start at left yeah. back, and yeah. Domagoj Bradaric, who had a very very good season at, uh, at Lille, 
yeah. won the French title to be the, the second pick. Whereas maybe this is an introduction of Guardiol to the national team when, in one of those moments where you are bringing a player in to get the feel for a big tournament for the national team because he's the future of our, of our, of our game. Uh, in the past, in the past, national national team coaches have been, you know, when you pick, it was 23 players at that time. It was not mm-hmm. odd for an Alan Halilovic to join a group at a very young age <laughs> or uh, guys like that, that you want to introduce because that easing into the squad and having them accepted and, and be, uh, you know, feeling, feeling warm and welcome uh, adapts uh, better to, to perform better in the future. Yes, yeah. cer- cer- certainly it's a it's a long-term project and it's and it's it's treated a little bit like a club team isn't it where you where you want to groom the players for future appearances uh, warm them up slowly so yeah when you when you have this chance that you have an extended list uh, that you're able to to bring in some players and and you know maybe maybe friends cannot do that because they have too much quality you know with with their depth I would say that we have to be a little bit more careful uh, about not losing our talent and, and to funnel them properly uh, into the national team. And you, you, we were discussing before before we came on air about the, the, the tug of war between uh, for a certain left back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about Sosa. Yeah, interesting, interesting uh, story that has evolved, really. Um, Borna Sosa is a, a Croatian uh, youth national team player that uh, out of Dinamo's academy uh, played for Croatia under 17s, under 19s. I, I was fortunate enough to be his coach in the in the national team. Um, played the Euros, played the World Cup uh, in the youth and uh, made a very successful transfer to Stuttgart uh, several years ago. Um, played in second Bundesliga, played in first Bundesliga and this year really exploded. And I do know that his um, performances were, were followed uh, closely and he was uh, about to be called up for the national team that was introduced to him. But at the same time, probably the biggest compliment was given to him and to us when the German Federation approached him to uh, yeah. represent Germany. Um, ended up, uh, Sosa ended up in this uh, tangle and, and opted that he would try to play for Germany. But I don't think that the paperwork allowed that. And, uh, you know, I think he will be back embraced in the national team, maybe not immediately for this, but, uh, you know, somebody who is on the radar of Bayern Munich um, cannot yeah. be cannot be overlooked by us. So um, a specific case, which doesn't really happen to us that often, that, that we lose players. We were fortunate enough that a lot of our players that were not even brought up in Croatia, like a Rakitic, like a Josip Šimunic, um, they Pasalic. chose... Yeah. yeah. Um, Pasalic actually is a, is a guy from Split, uh, yeah. but but he they chose to play for Croatia rather than Switzerland or Australia, uh, yeah. where they grew up. So um, this this type of case does not does not happen very often that one of our developed players uh, is is sought after by such a big team like like the German national team. So how would you, with all this depth, and we're going to get into some specific players, but. Um... Croatia has uh, has pivotal pivotal names and a pivot, pivotal amount of players that that can lead to very different midfield configurations, defensive configurations. Uh, how flexible is the team? How flexibly is it built for for different position, different stages of the tournament? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. I, I um, believe that in the last you know two three years we've mostly played the uh, 
4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 as a dominant uh, system. Um, however, most, most recently in some of our qualifiers, uh, Dalic chose to play a 4-4-2 diamond. So uh, in that way, uh, in several of the key matches, uh, that system at some points in the game worked well for us when, when we needed to dominate. I, I think that the, the amount of quality midfielders that we have allows us to do something like that. Um, but then we do, you know, those were moments where Perisic and Rebic were not there or, or yeah. they, their qualities were not chosen, which are, which are two fantastic, fantastic wings, which is a pity to, to leave out of the lineup or to push them into the midfield where maybe their strengths don't come into play. Um, so I would expect that we will stay with a, with a 4-3-3 variation um, and, and, and uh, potentially on, special, on, on a special game when, when they see fit, maybe choose this diamond formation, 4-4-2 diamond in particular. And, and um, I mean, we, we said earlier that, that a lot of the Croatian players traveled really, really well. Uh, but there's two, there's two players in the team that, that both had a hardship in specific leagues, one being Kramaric, who w- did not have the best of times in the Premier League, and the other being Pet- Bruno Petkovic, who's returned to Croatia and is incredible in the Croatian context and in, the Europe- in European football with, yeah. with Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, could, you, could you describe their qualities uh, inside the yeah. national Yeah, it's interesting you bring up these two players because though they by stature they are completely different you know Kramaric is is a, is a shorter guy technically very good uh, you know he, he's a guy that if i need to demo uh, corver exercises for kids i would <laughs> choose him as un- um, unbelievable unbelievable fake that he has um and and bruno petkovic i would probably you know, completely different uh, uh, physical, uh, anthropomorphological uh, qualities. A much <laughs> yeah. taller guy, uh, you know, can can hold a man on his back, etc. Uh, but they are both not typical nines. You know, they they say yeah. for a nine and a half maybe is a description for both of these guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, that that you know, Kramaric is a deadly finisher. Uh, that that finds very good space in the box, uh, very good shot f- and, and finishing qualities, good composure. Whereas Petkovic is is maybe an Ibrahimovic profile type of guy who always makes does a lot of work for the team, for his teammates, and at the same time is able to carry a man on his back, win a ball in the air, um, plays with amazing confidence. You know, uh, always borderline. Borderline cockiness, you could say, um, but but it, it's his personality that is you know that that outgoing, and uh, I think that that fearless uh, attitude that he has is uh, allowed him to progress. Um, their pathways, I would say, um, also could be a description of you know uh, what is possible in football. Uh, I, I do know when Andre Kramaric was in Dinamo. Um, in front of him, uh, he was struggling to find time in front of Duya Chop. So yeah. he tried his luck through Rijeka. In Rijeka exploded. And in one half season, I believe he scored like a goal per game, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, that's when Leicester bought him. Uh, I think it was a transfer heavy 10, 11 million, something like that. Yeah. And, um, and I remember watching one of his first games for Leicester. And uh, he hit the post. There was a clear penalty on him, not called. 
And in those moments, if he scored and if the penalty was called and he converted, he would have been the magic man that just joined. Um, whereas just because of some, some reasons, adaptation to the league, adaptation to the team, maybe a little bit of luck that was not there, uh, that needed to push him in the eyes of, of the surroundings, uh, was not there. And um, they moved him to, to Hoffenheim where he blossomed, you know, and, yeah. and again, you, you maybe would not say that this type of guy would blossom in Germany by, by seeing all of his technical qualities, etc., with the high tempo game that is played over there. But he did, and then he manages to break records in, in scoring, and uh, for not 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 for uh, any reason, he's there for such a long time and successful. So um, that that's his story. Bruno Petković, on the other hand, has has an even more odder one, I would say. Um, as a young talent, I think he was changing a lot of a lot of clubs, even within Croatia. Maybe a little impatient to be okay. to be recognized, and uh, chose to go to Italy where, you know, I am sure that any, any Italian coach who has seen a, a physical body like that would say, hey, this is a fantastic target, man. But I think, uh, you know, he's so creative. He's so playful when, when he plays. Um, it, it might not be fitting the Italian school of thought, you know, where, mm. where the striker is, is the, the deadly killer, but, but uh, don't, don't try to do too much. Um, and to be honest, I, I was not aware of him until when Dinamo bought him uh, from Serie B, I believe. Obviously, they knew him from, from before. But he was in Dinamo's academy at some point in time. Uh, so they knew what they were going after. But for me to see him blossom in the, in the Croatian league and then on the international level with the Dinamo and then on the international level with Croatia, I wonder, I wonder how, how he didn't do that before uh, a little bit earlier uh, in, in his career, but sometimes, uh, uh, you know, for success, a lot of things need to come into play uh, for a team. Likewise, I guess is the same for a uh, specific player's career. Would you, would you, would you use him as a second striker in a two or out wide for you, you having had close contact with him? Uh, you're talking about Petkovic. Petkovic, yeah. Yeah, Petkovic for me, uh, um, solely as a central striker. Now, if you play him there, uh, you could play him in two just because of his tendency to drift towards the midfield. Uh, but I think Ramaric has, uh, you know, the two of them could, could be doing that. But I also think he could play well with somebody who is um, seeking more depth, who maybe maybe a Rebic, who, not, not, uh, who played often also a center striker. Um, I would not play him out wide. I think that we would waste uh, a lot of his qualities in, in holding the ball, uh, a lot of his qualities in connecting and in creating. Um, he, he feels the game really well. I mean, that's that's how we call it, at least here in Croatia, that yeah. he very skillfully, intelligently finds gaps yeah. where the ball is going to come to and play makes very well out, out of those positions, making his teammates um, even better. Good spatial intuition. For uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as the if we were to look at, at the team as a whole, what would you say are the team's strengths? Look, we have a I have I think a very uh, um, a team that is in their prime years or past their prime years. To to be fair, in my opinion, um, for a team to be successful on the international level it needs to have reached maturity. And I believe that we reached that maturity with majority of our players back in Russia. 
So to 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 be honest, uh, Modric is probably still at the peak of his game, just like he's there. Yeah. But 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 that's a I think an outlier in in the world. But we from that time we did lose many of significant players who today are past their prime. Mandzukic and Subasic in goal. Um, Chorluka is no longer a player now. He joined the staff as yeah. an assistant coach, I believe, mm-hmm. being a, a very good link between the players as as a senator who Dalic very skillfully introduces and, and uses to be a bridge between the, the staff and the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think that that part of our quality is going to be having that experience, but also having some some youngsters bringing new new passion, new energy to, yeah. to the mm-hmm. team. Um, our quality for sure lays, lays in, in, in our midfield. Um, despite losing Rakitic, I think we are still very fortunate to have Modric playing at the top of his game, um, Mateo Kovacic blossoming in Chelsea, Marcelo Brozovic, who, who following finding his best position at the number and the number six, uh, is, is doing really, really well. Uh, Mario Pašalic in Atalanta playing fantastically, Nikola Vlašić, uh, uh, one who you could call a veteran, Milan Badel. Uh, somebody yeah. you can always yeah. rely upon, you know, somebody you can always rely upon a fantastic character in the locker room within the team. Mm. Um, super, super intelligent player. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, now, that, now that you we talk about a midfield, a new, tro- new introduction to the squad, Luka Ivanušić, Ivanušić from Dinamo, who could play out wide as, as a hidden, as a hidden winger. He, he's actually a midfielder who would play out wide, but also could play as, as a number 10. Uh, bringing that uh, competition, competition as a youngster, so I would say that that's where maybe our our our, our strengths lay. Um, in in our front line, we mentioned uh, uh, already Kramaric. We mentioned Petkovic. Um, those are two central players on the wings. We expect Perisic, uh, an experienced player who did well in Bayern Munich, now Inter Milan won the title. Ante Rebic, one of the locomotives of AC Milan, probably as, as first picks, but also not to forget um, players like uh, Mislav Orsic and younger uh, younger player Josip Brekalo from Wolfsburg, uh, who occupied the wide the wide areas. Uh, not to be unfair to Ante Budimir from Mallorca, I'm, I'm happy that somebody who you know who was not a great talent was not a dynamo was not but finds his way to the national team onto the big stage at a, maybe at a later time in his career but uh, but uh, you know these, these type of guys are also uh, great motivators for for everybody else that is not in the squad today to be there potentially tomorrow he's a, he's a, he's an asset with his physicality and a tactical choice a little bit for sure for sure and and you know his tenacity is is unprecedented he's is that type of guy who brings the energy um, I, I did not touch base upon the defense where, you know, we opened the talk a little bit on the left back, but I expect that between Lovren, Vida, two veterans, and uh, yeah. Duya Chalatatsar, a youngster from Marseille, we can expect uh, to have two, two starting centre-backs. And um, Shime Versalko, who, uh, when in-game fitness, is, is uh, without a question our, our number one pick at the right back. Uh, we have struggled to find a proper solution in that position for some time. But yeah. now Josip Juranovic in some of the games that he has played as a right back uh, <clears throat> was able to, was able to, you know, deliver onto the level of Croatian national team and, and rightfully so earned a, earned a position and a spot for himself in the national team. 
Was that yeah. was that your was that your work is transferred to Legia? Yes, yes, I was in in Hajduk <laughs> when you know he was entering the last year of contract. I I saw on him that that it was time for him to go. You know he was mm -hmm. in Hajduk for five years. Mm -hmm. um, you know fantastic fantastic character was a captain of the team at that time. A very humble very humble guy. Um, you know was uh, I believe this is well deserving of an opportunity and uh, you know not wanting to extend really put us in a position that that we had to find a way and I was I'm happy for him doing well in also my other club Legia uh, where, where, I, where I used to be so but you don't run, you don't run, you don't run clubs you earn families <laughs> <laughs> well I try I try but to flip that around a little bit have you have you seen any reoccurring issues or or something yet to be fixed within the team coming up with this uh, Euros competition I, I do believe that um, when, in particular, we played the 4-4-2 diamond, um, yeah. that we tried, I think that playing, I, I watched one half, I think it was against Sweden, um, mm -hmm. one half in which we dominated the game with that system, and the other half, we were completely dominated. Yeah. So um, I think that maybe if we opt to play in that way, um, we, we could potentially be, you know, walking, walking a, a sword uh that that could go both ways um i think that maybe we allowed too many goals especially on set plays um i don't think that we should have this type of a uh, number of goals allowed i believe it was over 30 in the last uh, 10 or 12 matches so that's mm -hmm. probably above two uh, per game and though you play spain though you play in england though you play the top teams in the world uh that we definitely respect I do think that we need to fix that part of our game in order to uh, expect success uh, at the Euros. Um, uh, with the lineup of our team, uh, with the technical competency that our players have, with the speed up front, I could see us do well in a strategy in which we, we maybe build quickly um, and, and try to you know, take advantage when somebody's pressing us versus... Mm -hmm. Um, playing a total possession game, which is traditional for us, that we completely dominate the ball and, and, and are creative in the final third to find solutions. Mm. But uh, then we don't really take advantage of what Perisic and Rebic uh, Orsic can give you in, in wide spaces. Is this is this is this yeah. team capable of active recovery like a counter press? Because maybe that's uh, the physical abilities on on the short space recovery, as opposed to tactical recovery, is, is maybe one of the deficiencies, isn't it? I would say that it depends on the lineup on who you're who you're looking that that is playing there. Um, uh, I don't think that physically we have a problem. Luka Modric, though, thirty-five, yeah. uh, he he just has this mentality. I think that at the age of fifty, he'll still be counter pressing well if if needing. I have to interrupt um, you. I have to interrupt you until our running running joke on the podcast has been the statement: Luka Modric is old. It's been a running joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Exactly. 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 He was saying and that then... like uh, Scotland doesn't have to worry because Luka Modric is old. <laughs> He's old. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's old. He's old. Good, Good enough to be in Real Madrid. And I, I, I mean, that's that's probably one of one of the most noted things in modern football, and I've experienced it myself in Hajduk, um, when one of our younger players. Uh, I, our second goalie came and we had a conversation. He said, look, it, it's ridiculous that on the market, this boy who's not even a starter, but he's 2000 born, is worth more than our captain who scores 
15, 20 goals a season yeah. because he's 28. But that's that's where you know the market has gone these days. So I I do think that some of the older players are undervalued in in the in on the yeah. on the market in general. Um, but you cannot undervalue Luka Modric where no. he's currently playing, where he's playing on a daily basis. So um, if you talk about a counter counterpress, counterpress, uh, if you play with Badel and Modric and Kovacic, it will yeah. be difficult to play a counterpress. But if you play with Pašalic and Vlašić yeah. in Ivanušec and Brozovic, that will not be a problem, you know. So yeah. I yeah. think that the selection of the players will be determining uh, what is actually the best strategy to use in point, that particular yeah. game with with that lineup, so um, I, I do think that our capacities are are still well um, in, in on the physical sense. I do think that we can we can play a pressing game, um, but f- not for long periods of time. It, it's really not not in our tradition to to do that, uh, and and we we do best when when we you know find good good waves and exchanging our our strategies within the game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant. I mean, th- I think you also just gave us a potential uh, lead conserving uh, change uh, in the team. Uh, how to hold versus a uh, you know if, if Croatia takes the lead, for example, etc. So that's uh, I think uh, that's an interesting interface. And uh, of course, yeah. Pasalic can press for Gasparini, so he can press for anyone, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. No, no, that's that's a you know Mario Pasalic is a story of its own. If you play, do you play him as an eight that you want him to join? You have an extra man in the attack because he has this natural tendency and, and desire to be in the box. If you play him as as the ten, as as the next guy in front, maybe you lose a little bit of creativity or a final pass, but uh, you, you you have a little bit more stability in the mm-hmm. back. So. It's good for a coach, I believe, to have these type of variations within the squad so you're able to choose um, which players suit best for a specific game, uh, for a specific pair within within the squad. You know, who needs somebody to cooperate with and who can do something on his own? That's, that's, that's already a, a starting point you have to think about. Any fan of Serie A will, will, will know that uh, you have to watch Pasalic's uh, second-line runs. Yeah, exactly. He scored, he scored exactly. a lot of goals from them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it has a fantastic first capacity to be there, desire to get there, and yeah. uh, covers covers an immense amount of ground. And it's not not by coincidence that he scores that many goals from from a number eight spot that he usually plays. Yeah. Yeah, and there is, as you mentioned before, there is some great flexibility within the team as well, and there's a lot of different options that can be played in uh, multiple different positions. Um, the next question I wanted to ask was, would you be able to name some of the, obviously the veteran players that are going to be able to carry the team through and help, help these younger players in this, in this tournament coming up? Well, we have to start them from the back. Um, I would say, you know, our, our goalkeepers, uh, Livakovic, I would not say is the experienced guy in the squad. Uh, being 26, I think, but, you know, has been playing professional football for seven, eight years now. Um, but for sure, he's going to be the number one. Uh, Lovre Kalinic, uh, Aston Villa's goalkeeper on loan at Hajduk, uh, a, a little mm-hmm. bit older, uh, but also a very stable personality, uh, a good guy to hold the locker room. But I think the core starts with Modric and ends with Modric. Um, you, when you have this type of a guy who, you know, is, is one of the best players in the world, 
uh, a leader within within the locker room always you know lives the values that you want to see your team live always hard work always uh, focus on the game um, always respect for the opponent always prepare well so I think that moves on to, to other guys that are supportive of that um, yeah. Chorluka leaving you know that though that senator spot uh, for sure goes to Lovren and Vida two yeah. experienced central defenders that Vida I think had a very good season winning the uh, double in Besiktas Lovren uh, in Zenit St. Petersburg um, they've been through thick and thin for us. Um, you could say maybe they're past their prime years, but would you say, would you say for, for, uh, you know, the, the famous Juventus back three that they were past their <laughs> yeah. prime with, you know, Barzagli, Bonucci and Chiellini when they played that, that they are too old. Are they too old? So I, I would not call them too old. And I think between the two, either of them plus Chalet Atsar, um, a young, a younger player from from Marseille, um, you, you know, is where we will be looking for for our backbone. And yeah. then in the midfield, clearly, I would say the advantage would besides Modric would go to Brozovic, mm-hmm. who as a defensive midfielder I think is unprecedented. Badel plays this position, but I think is a different profile of, of a player. But I think Brozovic, with his physical capacity on top of his technical quality. Uh, is unprecedented, and then it's going to be on Dalic's choice. Do I play a ten in front of them with Vlasic? Do I play a, you know, two number eights maybe with Kovacic uh, mm-hmm. to see what is more more suited within the game? So um, those those two players, and then up front, I think Ivan Perisic um, as the, mo- the most experienced player who now uh, is feeding his hunger for trophies with Bayern and and then okay. with Inter Milan. Um, I hope that you know he can bring that tenacity as he always brought to the national team to to do yeah. well for us up front and take responsibility and and uh, on himself. And of course, the the unexpected goals that Perisic scored. But but a player that you mentioned, Brozovic. I mean, what he he? How old was he when he moved to Real Madrid? Twenty, twenty one. You Kovacic. You mean Kovacic? Uh, to Real Madrid. Uh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, uh, I mean Kovacic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, Kovacic. Kovacic moved first to Inter Milan. I think, uh, you know, he's 94 or 95 born and he moved quite early, I think at the age of 19. And uh, there there was a story, there was a story um, that I've heard anecdotal. I'm I'm not sure how true it is, but maybe for for your audience could be fun that when he came to the, when he came to the training, that uh, the coach at that time wanted to just send him back to Primavera. You know, why are you bringing these kids to me? I need serious player who can help me right now, you know. And the president said, I know, I, I understand what you're saying, but I paid 11 million for him, therefore he's going to stay, you know. So <laughs> um, uh, I do think I do think that, that Kovacic is maybe only now in Chelsea uh, starting to express yeah. himself best. I think that for a young player going very early to a high-pressure place like uh, Inter Milan, maybe was you know a little bit premature and 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 move to real madrid one of the best teams in the world um maybe also uh, one or two years premature i do believe i do believe that he belongs on that level but yeah. if that happened two years later for him i do think that we would have had a, a better a better kovacic for all of us today so i'm happy to see uh this boy this man do really well uh, in Chelsea now, uh, where I think he found his ground, and now under under Tuchel, I think he's doing even even yeah. better than yeah. than previously. 
So, uh, you know, I think it'll be a great add for us. Out of all the players that we have in the national team, you know, in the, in the public, he's probably regarded as the most talented one that hasn't given to us yet everything that he has. And, yeah. and Kovacic always hold, hold, holds our hopes that what he delivers in Chelsea that we could see back uh, quickly with us. Whether that's going to be now or whether that's going to be at some other tournament when he really needs to take the torch himself, uh, we are, you know, not not blind to the future. Uh, understanding that after Rakitic, maybe Modric will also retire uh, at some point in time soon. Uh, God forbid. Uh, the the later, the better. But uh, yeah. that's for sure something is going to happen. And a guy like Kovacic is going to be a natural replacement for him. Yeah, and that was an interesting slip because actually Brozovic is 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 a. Uh... Is one of my has been one. I'm not an, never been an Inter fan, but he's been one of my favorite players in a position that I played before. His intensity, his yeah. ability to shake off uh, results, shake off occurrences on the pitch, uh, yeah. rekindle the team with his play. I love a player who can rekindle his squad mates with his passing, his routine, yeah. his movement. Uh, always, uh, always uh, one of my favorite uh, players in his position. Yeah, yeah. For for Brozovic, you know, it's it's quite quite odd. Uh, people that know him, uh, played with him, or coached him. I, I don't know him personally, but they often describe him as the guy who doesn't care whether he plays five v five, you know, behind his at uh, the schoolyard, or whether he plays in the World Cup <laughs> final. That that's kind of all normal to him. And, and I would say that you know, it's mm. one of those qualities where you you see him like a lackadaisical type of guy. Uh, on, on first glance, but when you see the amount of work that he does on the field, the amount of ground he covers, um, the amount of places he, he gets himself to is, is unbelievable. Ivan, as well, who would you say is the most un- undervalued player in the squad? Uh, is there any young, real young, talented prospects that to really keep an eye out for in this tournament coming up? It's tough to uh, If you ask me for an undervalued player, the context of our squad is that we are pretty much very experienced team you know and most of these guys are in their best years or past their best years so a couple of younger players you know you could question who is going to be that is undervalued and that needs to appear uh, at, at these euros um, Josip Brekalo could you call a Wolfsburg player undervalued number one <laughs> right so uh, um, I was fortunate enough to to work with him in the under 19 national team and, and I'm happy to see him grow to be a, nas- a national team player when and he comes on very very uh, often so he's probably in the in the 15 or 17 uh, players that the Dalic chooses to play frequently so he could be a guy that could be a surprise uh, on the flank um, on the other hand, maybe to the European public, just because he's playing in, in not in a top league already, Bruno Petkovic could be the undervalued guy um, that, you know, today in Europe is not seen there yet. So um, I would say if I have to choose, yeah, it'd probably be between, be between these two players that, that have not been seen on the, on the international stage yet in their, in their prime. Interesting. I mean, Petkovic, Petkovic, one way to describe him, you know, it's the strangest comparison, completely different stature and physicality, completely different. But in personality, he sometimes reminds me of, of Gautemo Blanco. Remember the Mexican player? Yeah, who yeah, just, yeah, he yeah, enjoyed, yeah. He enjoyed beating his man so much that he yes. would sometimes beat him twice. I feel That's like Bruno Petkovic, Bruno Petkovic, you'll take that extra touch to embarrass the defender after he's passed exactly. him a little bit sometimes. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's, that's I, I think that he embraces some of the, you know, older qualities from, from, from our region that maybe, you know, professional football, professional training and our adaptation to the modern game, many of our players have lost. And, and I think he still embraces that, that type of a, a quality that is, you know, preferring dominance in one-on-one more than anything else. And, and I would say that that's probably in the tradition of, of the Croatian football uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we, I mean, we've covered a lot of the players. Any other young prospect? I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Luka Ivanushets. Ivanushets, yeah. Uh, we could see a couple of minutes, depending on Croatia's performances in the group. Uh, what about, uh, yeah, I mean, Bercalo, you've mentioned as well. Uh, anybody else? I mean, who's... How's how's the after Strinic's injury problems and 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 uh, and falling out of the the reckoning? Uh, yeah. Who's taken over? I mean, for me, the Croatian left back spot has always been one of the best in the world. So, yeah. so who, who are the heirs there? I, I think right now uh, probably Torch going to be with Borna Barisic. I think he had you know a fantastic season with Rangers, and uh, he's on, on his pathway to a top five league. I, I do expect him to be better or, or much bigger club than Rangers in the near future. Um, and I'm sure that he's going to be, he's going to be it. Domagoj Bradaric, you know, not sure how much he's known in the, in the wider public impressed when he started a couple of the games for the national team, um, even in Croatia, um, yeah. you know, sold to Lille from Hajduk for, you know, six, seven million euros. It's already should put you on the radar uh, yeah. of all of our, of all of our uh, fans. <laughs> But really, when you see him perform on the A national team level, uh, a boy, 99 born, so uh, just just turning 22, uh, unimpressed, comes on, plays fantastic, contributes, um, is is somebody that we we hold up for the future for sure uh, of, of, on this position. Between Sosa, him, and there is a, a younger player, uh, Cholina, who is now in Hajduk. Yeah. He plays for the under-21s. I, I do believe that maybe you know we have cured our left back spot for for several years, mm-hmm. um, and and actually our struggles recently have been with a right back um, of the same quality of Shime Versalko, mm-hmm. um, and that that is where we probably need to need to dig out a, a youngster to to come and and we can rely upon in the years to go. You know, always- past Serna, past Serna, who was you know a captain. Uh, torchbearer for many many years, you know, ten plus uh, as as the right back, uh, hundred and something matches that he played for the national team. Uh, Varsalko jumped into those shoes, and and it will be big shoes to to fill for somebody else. Vida even played in that position for a while, right? We did. We played Vida. We played Yedvai, uh, yeah. who is also more of a central defender mm. than uh, than a, than a midfielder. And now now Juranovic, uh, you know, showed showed really well in his opportunity. Also Bartolets. Who is a player from Copenhagen, uh, yeah. who really made his career in Denmark more more than uh, more than in Croatia, that it was uh, given some opportunities. So we are there, and and we should be we should we should be happy with with uh, with our players' contributions. I just say when you have Shime Versalko or Dario Serna in that position, you expect who is the next guy that is of the same level, and mm-hmm. that's not that's not easy to have. <laughs> yeah, big Perfect. big shoes to fill. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> The fitness of good injuries are okay. 
I, I believe so. I believe so that uh, no no major stars have uh, have any any issues. Versalco did have a you know two years pass after Russia that were very very difficult for him. He's come back this year. I'm not sure whether he's going to be able to play you know three games in a row in back to back. So I, I believe Juranovic can expect to have some opportunities there, or yeah. or maybe Vida that you mentioned who who has done this uh, done this in the past. But um, besides that, most of our players are in, in regular playing minutes. Um, and maybe, you know, Petkovic a little bit and Rebic struggled with some injuries this year. Um, but I believe that that is, that is now, that is now out, of the, out of the way. What, I mean, uh, it's hard to ask this of a World Cup finalist. Uh, but what are the expectations, Ivan? <laughs> what's the pressure? What's the pressure on the team? I don't even want to ask because it's Croatia. I, I've been yeah. to Croatia during a major competition. I mean, I, I, I love the feeling. It reminds me of Uruguay or Argentina, where the street empties yeah. out. You know, it's it's. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The, I would say that the South American passion is is unparalleled in my experience, at least uh, to to towards football. But when it comes to the Croatian national team. The whole the whole country lives and breathes with it, so for sure it will be the same this time. The atmosphere is very positive. Um, I, I do think that um, maybe we are a little bit more uh, down to earth uh, due to the results that we've had over the last you know three years, qualifiers, League of Nations, etc., where you know past you know the the result from Russia is is uh, something that is a consequence of good play a little bit of luck good draw uh, good health um you know good good refereeing decisions in your way it's a tournament it's not a league uh, so all of these things come into play you know uh, that to achieve a result on, on the majors tournament so if, if you don't have this um uh, uh, one of these it's already difficult to to expect we have experienced at the at the euros i don't even want to go back uh, a game with turkey that was already won that you know should have put us in the semi-final where we played amazing football um that that has you know been stripped away in the 120th minute from us and then the same thing with portugal so two two very difficult european campaigns and but tell you that on the top level the details the details matter so i do believe details will matter here as well um but the the results have probably reduced the pressure or the expectations that we would have had if we played you know if we kept flying high after russia uh, on that same on that same level and and as, as as i said considering the change of generations it was completely understandable and normal that there was going to be a drop and uh, uh, for us it's important that we are there for us it's important that we are noticed and uh, that we also in in our pipeline, we have youngsters to continue bringing us there every, yeah. every, every, every tournament. And that's that's and the and the the final warm up before uh, before the kickoff against England is is Belgium. Uh, yes, and that's uh, that's trying yourself against uh, world number one after actually a series <laughs> of rather weak opponents. Uh, with all respect to Cyprus and Malta, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how they can get going. I mean, the, the 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 Russian final at the end of the day, many of us neutrals, or if I am really neutral, um, I grew up in I grew up in France, but okay. uh, but uh, it was squad depth, not squad quality, that won out in the end. 
But uh, look, in, in, if you want to look at back at Russia, it maybe was an unfair, unfair result in that final game. You know, from from a point of view, first goal wasn't even a foul. Second goal, a yeah. penalty kick. You would it was totally random. Comes out of nowhere. You play against one of the you know best teams in in defending and counter attacking. Uh, we, we looked for 30 minutes like we are we're going to win it because we we dominated completely. But that was France's game plan, anyways. Um, it, it suited them. We have to look back the games prior to that where we were fortunate enough that that luck went our way in some in some instances, and uh, uh, it's much needed component to be to be successful in a in a tournament. So I think that uh, a, a good matchup against Belgium, which I consider you know one of the favorites for for the tournament to achieve a great result, I think that they. Their best players are probably in their prime or just past their prime years, their golden generation, right? What, what they what they often regard it as. Um, so that's going to definitely be a very tough match for us, but I think a great, great setup to go against England. Um, England's f- first match against England at their ground, we lost their 3-2, I believe, in the, in the last match that we played. Um, and it was, you know, I expect to be the, the hardest game. Usually they say that the opening game is the most important. I think it will be important for us um, if we could, in my opinion, on a way, on a way turf, get a draw. For me, that would be success. Um, knowing that that same English team now is three years older than they were in Russia when we beat them. Um, and I think that that team is now maturing to their prime, to their prime ages yeah. and, and has that ignition moment that in Russia was kind of taken away from them. You could say it uh, was, you know, in front in their hands, but we, we took it away from them that I would for sure expect that they're going to be a, a very, very strong in, in this tournament. So that is an opening game uh, in itself determines a lot. So uh, I think the Belgian preparation is a wide decision, wise decision to, to, test out where we're at and maybe a similar game strategy. Whereas the other two games that we're going to play with Czech Republic and Scotland, I expect maybe a, a something different, you know, where where we will be expected to create, we will be expected to to dominate the ball, we will be expected, maybe we will be the, the pushed in the, into the favorites position. So if we can walk into those two games with good energy, with, with good feelings, right, it, regardless of the result from the first game, I think that we we have a chance to advance out of the group stage. Yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Ivan. And of course, the game against England is going to be a game of two highly pressured teams. So uh... yeah, for sure, for sure, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Play, play, playing for England and the expectations from their public is is probably uh, similar similar to to what we are experiencing. So uh, I, I do understand that. I do believe that you know their home turf, their youth, their their uh, ignition moment that that happened in Russia that probably made them mad enough not to let it happen again, right? Yeah. I, I think that that will be that will be a major component in in their run this year. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, well, you can you can hear the rest of the group D uh, experts with uh, Peter Leave in Scotland, uh, Marcel Lichka's uh, Czech Republic, and Sven Joran Eriksson will be joining us uh, early next week for England. 
Uh, he's what he follows passionately, I can tell you, and, and knows everything about. I mean, he groomed Gareth Southgate into his job, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> his first coaching job. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, I'm looking forward to it. And, and uh, yeah. you know, thank you for having me uh, with such esteemed guests uh, on, on, on this podcast. And I'm, I'm happy to have um, contributed and shared some of, some of our, our, or my personal and, and maybe views of out of Croatia for your viewers. Yeah, thank no you very much, Ivan. And as well, uh, from my side, thank you for coming on and, you know, good luck for your future endeavors and, you know, wish you all the best uh, success as well with that. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Likewise. All the best. Thanks. Thanks.